Hey, I want to remind us something. You know, sometimes the purpose for us getting together is for us to remind ourselves of stuff we already know. So let's remember that delight is not an accident. Fun is not an accident. Humor is not an accident. These are things that are all in the heart of God. And it is totally okay to come together and have fun at church, right? It's even okay, now check this out, it's even okay to come together and have fun studying his word together, right? So let's do that. Let's have fun here as we study this. And as we do so, I want to read a passage of scripture to you to help us get ready. The the people of God have always been desert dwellers. When you read the scripture, they spend a lot of time in deserts, and therefore, a lot of the images that God inspires in scripture are images from the desert as well. And as we prepare to hear God's word this morning, I want to read us a desert passage. One that uh, you may not have thought of as a desert passage, but listen to it with those, uh, with those goggles on. And as I read this, let this be our prayer. This is Isaiah 55, verses 10 and following. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Holy Spirit of God, who reigns upon thirsty souls, snow and moisture, and in desert places brings forth budding and flowering, We pray that your word would be poured out on us this morning and in our desert places uh, bring these blooms and and, and help us in our times of the desert. And we pray it in Jesus' name. All of God's people did say, Amen. amen. Well, how many of you ever turn to Wikipedia when you want some information? Come on, be honest. I do almost every day, right? Well, Wikipedia is sometimes just downright wrong. Did you know that? Wikipedia tells us that 24 people have been to the moon. Wikipedia is wrong. 25 people is the actual number because I have been to the moon. Now, not the rock that, that, that goes around the earth to a quarter of a million miles out there. What I mean is I've been to central Wyoming. <laughs> oh, I love that laughter. Thank you right there. Four or five years ago, I went on a solo November camping trip doing what my dad and I used to call wandering. And that was we always had our destination in place, but the route on how we were going to get there, we weren't so sure. So I knew I was going to end up at the Wind River Mountains in in Wyoming, but I wasn't sure the route. And as I was tootling along west on I-80 with a spirit of exploration and using my handy DeLorme Atlas and Gazetteer of Wyoming, I decided to take a cross-country shortcut. Remember, it's not in the Bible, but it's equally true. Shortcuts aren't, (laughs) right? So I decided to turn north out of Wamsutter. Anybody been to Wamsutter? Yeah, there we go. I turned north out of Wamsutter along Wyoming State Highway 23N. And then after about 16 miles, I turned northwest on County Road 20. And this took me through what's called the Great Divide Basin, right in the middle of a sagebrush steppe called the Red Desert. Now, Highway 23N... Just get rid of the word highway. It's not a highway. It's a gravel road, but it was okay. It had a roadbed. It, it had plenty of gravel. It was well-maintained. It was wide. And then when I turned rest, um, northwest on County Road 20, again, County Road, you should probably put that out of your mind, but it wasn't bad. It was a nice gravel road with a good roadbed. 
Then I crossed something called the Siberian Ridge. And that's when County Road became a dirt road with lots of washboards, you know, that sort of thing, and little sign of government maintenance, right? And then I passed the Buzzard Sheep Camp, which turned the road into a two-track. You know what I mean by two-track? In other words, it's not really a road. It's just two trails where tires have been parallel to each other. And, and so it becomes this two-track, and then it got worse because finally the two-track got to the point where it had grass growing tall in the tracks, showing me that no one had been here for a long time on this county road. And as I got further and further on the other side of nowhere, I started to realize that I was a little vulnerable. If the truck broke, I was in trouble. Or look at me, I am a white, middle-class, 50-something American male. Do you know what that makes me? A heart attack waiting to happen, right? (laughs) Or if I was attacked by Mongolian horsemen from the Siberian Ridge, there was not only going to be no one there to help me, but the grass growing in the two-track told me that there was probably no one coming along until maybe spring. So as I got further along this way, this was in the back of my mind, and and, and I, I got out of the truck to stretch. I wanted to smell the sagebrush. I wanted to feel the cool wind, stretch a little bit. And I left the truck running, of course, because you want to keep the truck warm. So I closed the truck door, and that's when I discovered a function of 2003 Ford F-150s that I don't know whether it's intentional or whether it's accidental, but when the battery starts to get low on a Ford truck, it will spontaneously lock the door. And it doesn't care whether you are inside it or outside of it. So I'm standing out there outside the truck. I close the door and I hear click. And I think, no way. I'm in short sleeve. I'm in a short sleeve shirt. I have pants on. The wind is blowing. It is 40 degrees outside. This is hypothermia weather. And I I get this sort of frozen thing of what am I going to do with this? And then as I considered my options for a few moments, I remembered that before I left Fort Collins, for some unknown reason, I did something I have never done before in my life. I put a spare key in my shoe. (laughs) Just any question, do you have a spare key in your shoe right now? (laughs) I don't either. But when I remembered that, I actually wiggled my foot a little bit like... (gasps) It's there. There's the key in my shoe. Sure enough, there was the key. And with great relief, I pulled the key out and let myself back in the truck. And within an hour or so, I was out of the boondocks and back on at least what you'd call a gravel road. That's when the camp trailer got a flat tire. I had never changed the flat on this truck or the trailer. I wasn't even sure that I had the tools to do it. So I start digging around underneath the seat of the truck, and sure enough, I've got the jack and the lug wrench, but they're for the truck. They're not for a trailer, and the lug wrenches are not the same. So as I'm trying to figure this out, some oil field workers come by and help me figure out how to work with what we had, and and sure enough, I was back in motion. And when I got back in that truck, I was intent on nothing in life except to get out of the desert to civilization. That's all I wanted. And the civilization I found was a rundown collection of ramshackle houses and huts called Atlantic City with all of 39 inhabitants. 
Has anybody here besides me been, you've been to Atlantic City, Wyoming, you know what I'm talking about. It, to you, it didn't feel the way it did to me. To you, it probably looked like a place that old miners go to die. <laughs> to me, it was salvation. Especially since Atlantic City, not New Jersey, Atlantic City, Wyoming, it actually had a restaurant where I ordered a, 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 a bowl of hot chili. And if you won't hold this against me, I will tell you without apology, I had a beer. <laughs> I was so glad. And this experience drives home the point that in desert communities, people don't tend to survive long alone. Right? The desert's a harsh environment where the extreme heat means there's a lack of water to drink, to to grow things with, to clean with, where there's a lack of vegetation for food and for clothing and tools that people use vegetation for, where there's a lack of animals for food and clothing and tools. And deserts are hard for human habitation. As a matter of fact, deserts oftentimes aren't even fit for human habitation at all. But where fellow desert dwellers come together and cooperate to marshal and develop what resources there are, people not only survive in the desert, they thrive in the desert. Deserts of the heart are similar. Let's think about what those looked like when we talked about them three weeks ago. Deserts of the heart are places of doubt and disbelief in our faith. They're places of disobedience to God and addiction to sin. Deserts of the heart are places where we suffer in dysfunctional and wounded relationships, where we endure neglect or abuse or anger or violence or unforgiveness. Deserts of the heart are places of loneliness. They're places of hopelessness. They're places of wounded self-respect as we fail to become the people that we hoped we would be. They're places of loss. Deserts of the heart are places of loss and pain. Yes, deserts of the heart are places of pain. And these places, like the physical desert, they lack the resources that our hearts and our souls need to survive. They're harsh places. They're not places to be alone. They're not fit, soul-wise, for human habitation. But like the physical desert, where people gather together in life's deserts, in those hot places and where they marshal and cooperate with their resources. Not only do they survive these deserts, but they can thrive in deserts of the heart. So we're going to look at three applications of how this looks to to survive the deserts of the heart by coming together. And the first point of application to get this morning is what might be called the law of strength in numbers. This is what Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 teaches us when it says this. Two are better than one because they give a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls down and doesn't have an oil field worker to help him fix his flat tire. It doesn't quite say that, but you see what I mean. Also, if two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. We all know this, right? We are stronger in the community of others than we are alone. 
In community, people are just more effective than individuals. We help each other in need and we're safer. We weave together the strands of our lives and we're stronger because we have more resources than when we're alone. So let's think about some of these deserts of the heart what they look like, and how the community of desert dwellers, the church of Jesus Christ, the, the, the family called the followers of Jesus, creates a desert community where people can survive and thrive. First of all, do we struggle with doubt and disbelief? There are people in this room who have faith, and they can say, yep, <laughs> I've been there too. They can help us think through our doubts. They can encourage us, and boy, listen to this phrase. They can encourage us to doubt our doubts even more than, when we, than what we doubt our faith. We need to learn to doubt our doubts and not just doubt our faith. They can help us do that. They can encourage us not to throw away the most, the most valuable possession in our lives, our faith in Christ. Do we lack guidance? Do we, do we not know what to do in a given situation? Well, in this community that you're sitting in right now, there are people with experience. There are people with wisdom who can help us think through our situation, think through our options, or get us in touch with people who can help us do that. Or perhaps we don't understand something about God or something about relationships or something about other various issues in our lives. In the community of fellow desert travelers, there is knowledge. Knowledge among people who know scripture and have experienced how scripture applies to their lives, they can help us understand many of the questions that puzzle us and even some of those that deeply disturb us. Do we have physical needs? Maybe we have a need for food or shelter or clothing or protection. The Christian community throughout the ages and around the world is famous for this. The Christian community is famous for collecting resources and helping people in need. We are really good at that. Or are we in a desert experience of being tired and discouraged about one thing or another? Around us are people who have been tired and who have been discouraged. And they've got time to listen and they can encourage us with the fact that not only have they dealt with this discouragement and they have gotten through it and they can help bear that load with us. Or are we struggling against sin, some sin in our lives, or maybe we're not struggling against it anymore. We're just giving in. In the community of desert dwellers called the church, there are people who can convict us about the seriousness of disobeying God's commands and wounding our other, others and even ourselves by our sinfulness who can stand on the sideline of our life and say, go, you can do it. You can repent, you can believe, you can live the life of following Jesus. You can play the game well, who can hold us accountable and who can pray for us. Or maybe we do need prayer. Sometimes we just feel and I've been there. Sometimes we just feel in over our heads. Unable to know what to do or how to do it. And we need a touch from God that comes through prayer. There are people sitting in this room. People who call Faith Church of Loveland. Who would be honored to pray with you. They would pour out your concerns before the Lord with passion and with truth. They would implore God on behalf of you for a touch from him and they would be the instruments of that touch from God through their prayer. 
Are we bearing a burden of guilt? That thing we just keep doing. (laughs) And we want to stop. And here we are again. And we need to hear again that we can be forgiven of our sins. There are people in this community who will speak words of forgiveness to us and release us from the guilt. Are we weighed down by sickness? Right around us are people with gifts of healing. Do we want to follow Jesus better, but we've learned that we can't do it well alone? You are sitting in an oasis. You're in an oasis of Bible studies and prayer groups where people spur one another on to learn more about Christ and to apply it to their lives. And they even give us examples of what it looks like to be an intentional daily follower of Jesus. Right here in this community is that oasis. And so the first point of application is this law of strength in numbers. We're stronger together than we are alone. The second point is to get the fact straight that this law of numbers is nothing less than the design of God to take care of us. It's not a coincidence. This is his very purpose. We learn this in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 22, where we read first in verse 7, the following. It says, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each person, including you, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good of the whole family. These manifestations for the common good are called gifts of the Spirit, right? We've heard that phrase before. And they're God-given abilities to meet the needs of others, other followers of Christ. Examples are gifts of leadership or, or, or healing or prayer or pastoral care or teaching or so forth. But beginning in verse 12 is where Paul introduces to us this famous metaphor of the body, where he talks about the church like a human body. And he says this, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, right? And though all of his parts are many, the body, or they form one body. So it is with Christ. So it is with Faith Church of Loveland. The body is not made up of one part, but many We're all baptized into this one body. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. It's just wrong, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them just as he wanted them to be, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. And this picture here is that God made us to need each other. That's just the way he made it. There are simply needs we have that, are you ready for this? God gave the solution to somebody else. (laughs) And if we're to get our needs cared for, we're going to have to be part of the community of followers of Christ to have our needs met and to meet the needs of others. Now, how insensitive of God to do this. He gave what I need to someone else? Don't you know what that means? That means if I want to do well in life, I have to seek out the help of others. This offends my pride. This messes with my myth of self-sufficiency. This means I have to be humble enough to admit I have needs and seek out people to help me if I'm going to do okay. 
And how insensitive of God to give me what others need. Don't you know what that means? That means that I'm essential to somebody else's life. I don't want that responsibility. You're essential to somebody's life. Do you want that responsibility? And that means that for for the well-being of others, if I'm a follower of Jesus, I have to get involved. This offends my selfishness. This offends my pursuit of my own happiness. So first point, law of strength in numbers. We're better together than we are apart. Second point of application, this is just the way God made it. Gave you the things I need and me the things you need to draw us together in order for us to do well in the desert. The third point of application is that our ultimate need for community in our life deserts is to know and to be close to Christ. This deepest and most important truth about surviving and thriving in our personal deserts is that we need Christ to do so, and we need him more than anything else. And I'm about ready to shock you or remind you of something that you may not like. It may even be possible that Christ will lead you or lead me into a desert so that I will learn that ultimately what I need is him. It's a hard lesson, but sometimes he may take us there. And where do we find Christ in our deserts? Back to the body. It's in each other that we will find Christ in our deserts. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew 18, 20, where Jesus says this, for where two or three gather together in my name, there I am with them. And so one of the most important principles taught in Scripture is that when God wants to bring himself to us, he usually does it through people. Think about the first covenant, what we call the Old Testament. How did he touch people? Kings and priests and prophets. In the new covenant, through Messiah, Christ, born of a virgin Mary, fully human, brings our salvation. And now, through the body of Christ. And here, I I, I love this point I'm about ready to make. Are you ready? I love this point. Are we having fun, by the way? Doing all right? Good. Remember the message of Christmas tide that we just got out of about a month ago? Christ, Messiah, formed in Mary to be born into the world and through Mary to be a blessing to the world. We love that mysterious and hopeful message of Christmastide. But the next stage of truth that we don't hear enough in the Christmastide story is that Christ's birth is not over. No, through the Holy Spirit, Christ wants to be conceived in me. Christmas story conceived in you, born in us, grow in us. We're supposed to get, and I know, guys, this will be weird for you. We're supposed to get fat with Jesus. We're supposed to bear Christ in the world. Now, no one will ever be the mother of Jesus like Mary was. That was an honor given only to her, and wow, she must have been special for that. But each of us is given the honor, if we'll let him, to have Christ be conceived in us, born through us, and to touch the world through us. This is what we're designed to do, to reach out to others in our deserts and be the conduit of Christ's presence. In every way described above, God's design is for Christ to be formed in us or someone else, for Christ to be embodied in us or embodied in someone else to meet each other's needs as we traverse our deserts. So I want to ask us a question. 
How are we doing? How are we doing at drawing on? And how are we doing at being the body of Christ? Ask ourselves that right now because I have two equal and opposite fears about this being the body of Christ thing. The first fear is that people in life deserts won't come to the community of Christ's body, either because of ignorance or pride or shame or lack of self-esteem. We won't have the humility to say, hey, you have what I need. Would you please help me? So that's one fear I have. The equal and opposite fear, as a matter of fact, maybe it's even a greater fear, is that the members of the body of Christ won't open their doors if somebody knocks. If someone struggling with doubt and disbelief knocks on the door of someone with faith, will the door be open? If someone knocks on our doors needing forgiveness or wisdom or healing or material help, will the doors of our lives be open for business? This Christ formed in me to touch the world, will it be in action or will our actions say, sorry, I'm closed. Go next door. I'm closed for business. How are we doing at both of these parts of the body of Christ? Is there something that you need to do this week to reach out to the body of Christ? Do you have a need and the Spirit's laying it on your heart right now? The Spirit's saying, don't die in the desert alone Go seek out my body where I have given people riches of blessings to touch you. Is there some way you need to seek that out this week? And if somebody comes knocking on your door this week or my door, will we open it and be the body of Christ? I conclude this series now by talking about being transformed in the desert. What we've spoken of here is the desert is a dry, hot, harsh, barren place. But also, and some of you have seen this, at certain times of the year, under certain conditions, deserts are places of stunning beauty. When the spring rains come, the dry, barren places are transformed into budding, flowering, bursting, beautiful places. How many people here have seen the desert blooming in the spring? It's not to be missed, is it? There's nothing like it. So too with our deserts. These three messages have not just been a survival guide. See if you can get through the desert and to Atlantic City (laughs) just to survive. The point is that if we let the Spirit of God rain down on us in our deserts, then they actually become a place of transformation. Spiritual transformation where we as immature, weak, dry, barren people spiritually become maturing, strong, fruitful, blossoming followers of Jesus as God meets us in our deserts and works a wonderful and eternal change in our lives. We can experience this transformation. We can. If we will learn and apply the lessons of these three studies that we've had. So I'll recall them for you. First of all, remember, deserts are no surprise. There is a desert coming somewhere near you soon. If you're not one in one already, don't be shocked. Don't be surprised by it. Second, we learn from the desert. Remember the three lessons? Got to get rid of false gods. False gods fail us. Two, we set our hopes for happiness and eternity ultimately. And three, that we learn to have empathy for other people who are hurting. So deserts are no surprise. We learn from the desert. And then the third ones this morning is that in the desert we seek out community. Don't go it alone. If we will learn and apply those lessons, we'll thrive.
in our deserts. It has been my honor to share the Word of God with you, the three of these four Sundays that I've been here. Thank you for that. It's been my pleasure uh, to be able to do it when you, as a congregation, are in a time of transition, right? Uh, A time that has some desert features to it, doesn't it? And so uh, it's also my pleasure now to speak uh, this benediction over you. And so please receive these words uh, from Scripture. Faith Church of Loveland, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. As you traverse this time of transition and maybe some times of desert, may the Lord turn his countenance upon you and give you peace. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Got a congregational meeting coming up? I hear there's pizza, right? (laughs) Better stick around to find out.